Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I'm broadcasting outside of the house. I'm in New Mexico. I'm in my home state. Coming home is always a little dicey, but I was surprised, man. I mean, people are ready. They are ready to go. I, I flew Delta. I don't usually fly Delta. It wasn't terrible. There, there doesn't seem to be any other direct flights from Los Angeles to Albuquerque. And I flew Delta, and it was a shit show, man. I got to the airport, and it was fucking insane. There were lines wrapping around the building almost, if that's possible, at an airport. Just lines everywhere. I mean, I'm fortunate, I guess. I have TSA, and I was flying priority. But it was crazy. Granted, masks were being worn, but it's definitely a baptism and viral fire if you go to an airport right now because people are like, fuck it. I'm out. I'm moving. I'm going. I'm taking that vacation. I don't care. I'm just, I want to go somewhere. I'm going. Today on the show, Andrew Santino. He's a comedian. Uh, he's also an actor. He was on that series based on the comedy store. I'm dying up here. He's currently a series regular on Dave. He also hosts a, a couple of podcasts, one with Bobby Lee, one of one of his own. And uh, I didn't really know him that well. I knew he was around. I, I knew people liked him. I knew he was on that show. But it's one of these weird things where he's of another generation than I am. But I really didn't see him around. We didn't cross paths much at all, once or twice. And uh, I never really, I never got to know him. I never saw much of his comedy. But I knew he was one of us. I knew he was a comedian. I knew, uh, I, and I knew he was, uh, uh, he was good at it. And uh, I've just been sort of doing a few of these interviews with these guys who were, who were younger than me that I didn't really know. Like I did one with Mark Normand, Santino's of that same generation, but he's a nice guy. And, uh, you know, it was nice to talk to him. We, we'd never really talked before, as I said. And then we ended up taking a hike together a couple of days later. So maybe we're pals now. I don't know. And I did his podcast. I don't know when that's going to be up next week, maybe. Maybe we're pals now. I don't know how it works anymore. I don't know. As a grown-up, I don't know how pals work. Do you know how pals work? Do you pick up new pals as a grown-up? So I came out, oddly, you know, given my... I don't have a distance from my parents. I like my parents. But uh, the first thing I felt like I had to do once I got vaccinated was go visit my mother in Florida, which I did. And then uh, this trip is primarily to see my father, who, uh, who is uh, getting on in years getting a little uh, a little fragile. Uh, he's going to be 83 this year. He's having a little trouble walking. 
his thoughts are not as clear as they used to be. Uh, but I, I just wanted to to come see them. I, I don't know what's changed in me, or but it's not something. It's it's something that most other people have kind of innately. But I guess because of uh, some residue or a lifelong kind of defensiveness or mild resentment towards uh, my upbringing, which I think is probably immature at this juncture, uh, and seems to have dissipated a bit, and I can approach my parents as they age with a bit of empathy and compassion, and, I, and I'm happy about that because some people have problematic relationships with their parents. I did, but it was never horrible. I mean, I always like them all right but uh but i'm glad to be here you know and, and my my dad's wife is i think also relieved it's just uh there's no other way to look at this the life sometimes is, is just being sad but it is part of the process getting on in years and there's something to appreciate it there's sort of a sweet spot of the vulnerability of aging like i think my father by and large has forgotten how to be an asshole uh, there's, there's residue of it, but there's no real thrust to it. And it's nice. You make sure you, 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 uh, you sort of take time to appreciate the sweet spot of, uh, the, uh, the slow decline. But, uh, but that said, it, it has been nice. And, you know, because his brain is a, a little, a little slower, a little different, it's just very, you, sometimes they say interesting things. I guess they, it's not some jump to compare it to a childlike thinking, but we were in the car. I was taking him over to, we we're going to get something to eat. And he's like, uh, hey, you, have you seen that uh, the advertisement with the guy that has no uh, no pelvis? And I'm like, what do you mean no pelvis? He's like, there's a, a guy with no pelvis. And I'm like, no pelvis? It's, a, it's an ad on television? Yeah, no pelvis. And I'm like, what do you, what, is it a, for medicine? What is it? He's like, no, I don't know. It's, he's just, he's got no pelvis. And then there's a, a bunch of other ones, no pelvis. And I'm like, no pelvis. I don't understand. It's not an ad for medicine? No. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then I realized like, oh, is it that, is it, I said, is it the guy that's um, half motorcycle, half human? He's like, yeah. So no pelvis. Right. Okay. Half motorcycle, half human. Right, the motor. It's like, I don't know. It just seemed like there was a lot of them. Yeah, he, he says, he said, uh, is it too many for it to be realistic, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the sheer number of the uh, fictional beings who were half motorcycle and half human that was daunting for my dad in his current state of perception. Just, it didn't seem realistic though when all of them came. When I said, you mean when they're like, well, I think I said it's sort of a play on wild animals, like, you know, like horses, or a herd of them. He, he calls the herd, right, the one, one guy calls the rest of them. It seemed like too many. They must do that with uh, special effects or something. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't seem realistic. I mean, it's not, it, there's nothing realistic about it. But, and then the odd thing is neither one of us, certainly not him, but I could not remember what the fuck that ad is for. So is that an effective ad? I didn't know what it was for, but you remember the weird motor. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a progressive ad. They're not paying for this spot. But uh, being home is interesting, man. You know how it is. There, it's so, there's something so comforting and so horrific about it simultaneously. I just, um, and I don't know what I do here. You know, there's, I've had these thoughts, and I don't know about, about you, 
But I, you know, for the past five years, five or six years, I find myself, you know, looking at homes here, you know, looking at homes. Like I have these ideas in my head. Yeah, I'm driving around here. I'm driving around these streets and these roads that I grew up on. Do I want to come back here? Has anything changed? What is here? I mean, I love my house. I love my house in California. You know, we'll see. I don't know if the entire state's going to burn down this year. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just starting to question this weird nostalgia. Because it was strange. I was driving. Um, you know, I, I grew up. I stay at a place here, a beautiful place called Los Poblanos. And I've talked to you about this before. I knew the family that lived here when we were kids. I knew all of them. There was four of them. There was two houses on this property and eight people. And I knew them all because I went to school with most of them, the ones my age. And they still own the property, and it's beautiful. But it's it's literally a block away from where I grew up. And for some reason, I always drive down the street to look at the lot where my old house was. It's not there anymore. There's another house that looks kind of like it. And I'm just, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I don't know what kicks in. I don't know what I think is going to happen. But I actually picked up my dad to drive, try to drive him through some things that he might remember. And I drove by the house that we've originally moved into when, uh, when I came here to Albuquerque in 69, probably. And uh, so I was, what, seven? And it was, it's just odd to go to, to, to sort of, see what the memory holds on to or what it remembers and wondering like what has changed has my memory changed or has this block changed obviously both are true obviously people do different things with the homes around the neighborhood some homes are gone entirely not unlike things in your memory but i drove down to the elementary school that i went to which was right down the street from the house we were originally in and that looked totally different but i was in that schoolyard you know i shed blood in that schoolyard, I got goat heads stuck in my hands. In that schoolyard, I got bitten by ants. In that schoolyard, I walked around with crutches. I had my first crushes there. I. It's just, what does it all mean? What I, I guess they're, they're just these journeys through memory. You know, I'm trying to jog my dad's memory. I'm trying to get a sense of where he's at mentally around memory. And it's interesting what, what sticks and what doesn't. I, so many of my memories are clear and so many of them, they're just fragments in my head, bits and pieces of things I did. Getting, on, getting in front of a, my third grade class and reciting all of the presidents in order because I'd memorized them. Doing weird shows in front of my class with this other kid, Jerry Graves. We'd do bits from Sesame Street where he'd play Grover and I'd interview him. And like, I just, that's when, it's, that's when I started show business. Those two things, saying the presidents in order and uh, interviewing Grover was really one the original WTF in third grade, Mrs. Webb's class, if anyone remembers. I don't think there's any audio available. But driving through the memories, it's, it's kind of amazing. I guess I get overwhelmed with it, so there's no way this can't be bittersweet. And I spent time with my old buddy David Kleinfeld, who I've known since second grade, and you kind of go over the, the things. There's a 40-year high school reunion coming. I can't fucking believe it. But it's weird. It just is interesting what you hold on to. Do you hold on to good things or do you hold on to embarrassing things? Do you hold on to painful things? What are the things you hold on to? Weird things? Other people's vulnerability? What, what are these moments? Because most of them come out, they're, most of them are moments. They're not, you know, I remember like, you know, trying to make an arrowhead across the street at this guy Peter's house with taking a rock and like chipping away at another rock 
a piece of obsidian, I think, or a black rock that I had found, and a, 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 a rock chip went into my eye and pierced my cornea, and I had to wear a patch for a while. See, I wouldn't call that a good memory, but I remember it. I remember he also had a, a small naked picture of his mother that didn't show much. But, you know, these are, you know, it's a little yin and yang there, right? <laughs> and he wasn't even my friend. He just lived across the street. Uh, so I was driving around with my dad. It was, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting uh, and heavy and uh, emotional and human and good to move through it with him. All right, folks. So Andrew Santino, uh, as I said, uh, comedian, actor, uh, new friend, I think. He hosts the podcast Whiskey Ginger and is the co-host of Bad Friends with Bobby Lee. You can get them wherever you get podcasts and watch them on YouTube. And this is me talking to uh, Andrew Santino. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. You know. What I don't understand with that, I was thinking about last night after, after not after I left you, but I was doing a spot, and I've, I'm sort of in a, I give zero fucks at it, and I'm kind of pushing the envelope a little again. Good. Kinda, and uh, sort of like, hey, man, a joke's a joke. And, and then you got to really think about it, because I thought about it last night for myself. Like, I'm talking about death. You know, I'm talking about my dad's uh, beginning dementia and shit. Yeah. So how do you frame that in that you've got to believe the tone of this has to be an antidote. It can't, it can't be just mocking the thing. It's got to make the people that have experienced it feel better. Right. Now, you can't, I don't think you have any control over what triggers anybody. But I think if a joke is designed correctly, people, even people who feel pain about what you're talking about should be like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah at least it hits them in a good, in a, in a spot that they right. go, even if it's uncomfortable, they understand how you can find the humor in the chaos. Well, you, what you're trying to do is disarm it, not trying to make it worse. You're not trying to inflame it with a joke. Right. I mean, the only reason we're fucking funny is to, uh, you know, to avoid pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pain, yeah. To get away from all the shit that really hurts our feelings. But it gets, but all the stuff gets kind of expunged by, you know, all this, all these other things around us, right? Our insecurities come bleeding through when we really hear something that hurts us. Other, you could, someone could say Mark Maron sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Maron sucks. I think Mark they Maron. said it today. Let me yeah. see. Let's look at Twitter. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
But it doesn't bother you. But Someone, it bo- someone's it, doing that right now? Of right course now. it bothers me. No, it doesn't. It does a little. It bothers you when, I think it really bothers us when it's something that we know that we don't like about ourselves. Of course. And, they, and the good ones, the good trolls, they can fucking find that right now. Oh, away. they got you. Yeah. But like, it always bothers me. But what I've learned to do is just not engage. Like I have to, it, it's sort of Zen mind shit. Right. Like, you know, like if I get, if I see some of that and there's that impulse and I'm like, nah, just Take a breath. It'll be gone. <laughs> Walk away. Or mute it. Just mute. I don't even block them anyone. I don't want to give them the satisfaction. I'll just mute it. And it's like, I don't see it. Blocking is giving them power. Exactly. That's giving them a lot I don't of give, firepower. I don't go no blocking. Well, I'm an inch away from deleting Twitter. I've said this for the past, I don't know. Decade? Me too. Yeah, yeah. 10 years. Have that you I was ever like, done? You can do it for two months. I've, I've done it. I've done it before. But I'm, I'm talking about physically deleting my account forever. I've thought about that, of like erasing the account. Now, okay. So you have that, you have that moment where you're going to do that. Now- what 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 drives that? Why? Because like be- for me, it's sort of like I don't want to be uh, vulnerable to this shit anymore. I don't want to be public, yeah. and I don't want to be attacked by nobodies. No, my, for me, it's like I I what am I I I've started to go. What am I getting out of this? Someone said to me, um, "It's a, like crack." A, what do you someone mean? Someone said, you "Well, someone said about the podcast world. When you do podcasts with people, yeah. what are you getting out of it? Are you getting something? Am I getting something? Are we, is it a duality? Is it?" And so Twitter's the same way. Like, am I getting anything out of this? Truly. Mm. And I've started to learn that I wasn't getting anything out of it. I w- it wasn't fun. I wasn't getting like humor satisfaction. Yeah. I wasn't even getting entertainment anymore. But were you getting likes? No, no, because I don't post. That's my thing. I stopped oh, posting. I don't post much. I just post to promote. That same. So Twitter for me was like a, a business yeah. tool, and then I would go on it. I used to go on it to have some to watch fun stuff go down. Great tweets from comics that I love and respect, right, right, right. or something really funny right. or engaging. That's but kinda, now we don't respect any of them anymore. No, but they all suck. <laughs> It's all gone by the wayside. I yeah, just yeah. don't love it anymore. Oh, no, it's the worst. And it really feels like a sewer. Yeah. Like, it feels like such a consistent sewer yes. of fucking, uh, you, you know, uh, the subconscious of the world in the worst way. Yes. It's yes. the worst of it. But it's, but they're, some of those sewer rats are very, very good at just- Hurting un- you. Unearthing shit and hurting you and being mean for no reason. What it, 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 It's such a, we all do it and people do it to us too. Like, that guy sucks. It's like, I've been doing this 30 years, <laughs> 40 years. Yeah. I don't suck. You heard one joke you Yeah, didn't you maybe like. don't like me. Right. I understand. <laughs> but I don't I suck. I don't suck. Yeah. No, <laughs> I suck, but I my art doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you may I, not like right, me. right. Right. Or I don't like me. I understand it. Yeah, right. But I don't <laughs> suck. I'm just not for you. Right. No, it's true. Yeah, I did a phone interview for this thing recently, and they said, the guy said, uh, you've really kind of made a little bit of headway in the in the comedy world, and it, it's a great pop for you. And I was like, it's only been 16 years of me grinding my fucking head at, you know, like, but people don't know or I care that you've put in any effort into that. It's, well, that's, but for that, them, it's nothing. Oh, yeah. And radio guys like, well, you know, yeah. being condescending. Surprise. That's, but, that's why I quit doing now, those. But but we're all doing radio. It's like who knew that this would be the aspiration? A world of radio mediocre radio personality. <laughs> like it, it used to be when you were a comic and you'd see the comic who is the side guy at the radio station, you'd be like, Ugh, that guy fucking poor blew bastard. it. But it's like, no, he didn't. He just didn't do it on his own terms. Right, right. He's now just doing we, it from a corporate level. Yeah, we can do it now, but we decide. Right. It's ours. Yeah. All those years of going, I don't want to go do radio. Fuck radio. Now I do there it every day. In our house. <laughs> it's weird. It blew my mind. Kevin Christie brought that up to me. Like, I never really thought about it. That, like, most podcasts, if there's more than one person, it's just some sort of version of drive time radio. It's totally. Just, 
two idiots talking. Or do you have any buttons there to make noises? The wing, no. any of that stuff? I have an old one from when I did radio. They were called 360 machine. Right. Yeah, it was a programmable machine, and you could record on all the buttons. Right. I used to have them. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have noises, and I never really got the hang of it. So wait, 16 years? Well, no. Uh, 15 years. 15. But that's... that's Yeah, that's, 15 years. That's all in. That's for real. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know you at all. I don't know how that happened. But, like, yeah. when, I mean, I knew of you because you were on the show, and then people said you were funny. But I, for somehow or another, we never really crossed paths. Well, here's what it is. I can explain it. Because this happens... You're avoiding me. Yes. You'd look at the schedule and be like, fuck that guy. Fuck, Marin. <laughs> no, but it, honestly, for many, many people, particularly of, like, your generation of comics, say mm. the same thing to me. Oh, really? In the sense of, like, I never met that guy, but I've heard you were funny. Um, I've always been... On, when somebody go, you know what? When somebody goes, who's your group, your comedic friendship circle? You yeah. can probably are you name. Doing, are you doing my job now? Yeah. Like, like who'd you? Where'd you come up? Yeah, here in L.A. Oh, I, I started in L.A. Oh, really? But when somebody asks me who's my friendship yeah. circle, if they ask you, you can name it. For me, I couldn't tell you. I have guys that I different when you come up here. Yeah, I I, I just have a lot of groups of people I can associate with. I, I started in East Side rooms, and then I made my way to the store, and then I was an improv guy for a long time. Then I was. You know, doing East Side Rooms again, and I, like I, th- I had touched That's a lot of different groups. I know guys who came up here, yeah, and it seemed like the guys who came up here from my day, like uh, the who were like people like Spade or Sandler, those guys who were in New, uh, Spade. And Sandler was in New York for five minutes when he was a kid, but they knew the guys that came up in my generation. They were like they knew the game. Yeah, like it's a hard town to come up in. Yeah, but they came out like with show business in mind. Totally. Like for me, I didn't understand show business till like three years ago. <laughs> now it's making sense. Yeah. Now I get how I fucked up. Right. But I, I somehow, because of my garage, I was able to to make something happen. But I never understood it as a business. Yeah. But, I, I learned fast. But when in New York, you could definitely see, you know, like I started out with Attell, Jeff Ross, Todd Barry, Sarah Silverman, right. Nick DiPaolo. Um, like there was a whole crew of guys that were after like the Colin Quinn generation, right? Then we were all there, and those are the those are the guys I started with. Yeah, but I, but that's what I'm saying. I, people ask who's your crew. I don't, right, I don't. They ha- weren't my crew, but they were around. But you know what I mean. That's kind of an asso- associated acts would be the best way to say it. I yeah, didn't but, but, have any. Well, I mean, I still don't. But for, I get it. But I mean, for, for what what the question is is like when you were doing when you were starting out when you were doing mics. Yeah. On the east side. Yeah. Who who do who do we know that was doing them with you? A lot of those guys either quit or moved on to other shit. <laughs> Smart. Guys. I would say I would say, yeah, they're much smarter than us. <laughs> I would say guys that I really you know, Jake Wiseman was somebody who uh, I yeah. always loved. You don't know him? I, I know the name, I think. Yeah, he's great. But I'm just old now. I used to think like I'm in the loop. I know all the guys. Well, Ron I, Funches and I kind of started oh, yeah. together at at the same or I mean, you know, we kind of when he moved here from uh Portland, Portland yeah, yeah, from Portland. He was kind of in my clique of young. See? You know, I yeah. can say this: the guys that I did a half hour with on Comedy Central, right, was me, Brooks Whelan, uh, Mark Normand, uh, Sam Morell, uh, who are those are New York guys. No, I know those. Uh, and then LA guys would be. It was um, besides Brooks. It was also Tone Bell and Hampton Yount. Do you know Hampton? Uh huh. So yeah, that I mean that was my half hour group of guys, and that was kind of my generation of. Of guys. It's weird. The reason I don't know some of them now, because things are so different. I mean, yeah. when I was coming up, we were all sort of gunning for the same thing, and there was only a few outlets. Right. So anybody who got that exposure, who got the deal for whatever, you kind of knew. Because there was only like, you know, three networks and, you know, a couple cable outlets. And 
So you'd know. Yeah. Now, like, there are guys like, oh, Pete, he's fucking huge. And you're like, what do you mean he's huge? Got a million this, million that. I'm like, I don't know that guy. Right. On what? You don't even know what that is. But that's great. I think now the outlets no, are fine. Because we were so tired of fighting for the same things. Like, we were guess, all fighting for the same what's shit. What's the quality, though? Isn't TikTok just like, like just tricks? But, but that's not exist. That doesn't exist in our world. You know that. That's I don't like, know what exists. Uh, you, what exists is exist in my- hardworking comics who make it, quote unquote, yeah. who have a continual career. Right. They didn't come from any of those things. And you know that. When they say, when somebody goes Except like, oh. Bo Burnham. Yeah, Bo, Bo Burnham. Bo, Bo Burnham is a anomaly, a Talent, literal anomaly. He's guy. a talented anomaly. Yeah. He doesn't exist. He's, <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't exist. He did comedy at 15 years old. It became in the zeitgeist of online comedy humor. Well, he he's was the, the first like YouTube guy. He's the one. Yeah. But and, you can't name another one. And then before that, it was the Dane phenomenon. But that, but also a guy that captivated the singular market that you, okay, Dane is that, Bo was that. Yeah. You, there are no others. Yeah. Maybe someone came and went. I like how you thought, that, look, I have a chart about this. Yeah, I did it yeah, at okay. home. It's on my wall <laughs> and there's lines connected. It's my vision board. Right. Yeah. But um, it is true though, that Bo was an exception to the rule. We like to think that there's these outlets that are that are brewing up yeah. shitty comics that are going to enter our world. It doesn't exist. I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't really understand how it all works, but I agree with you yeah. because even when we started doing alt comedy, you know, I was already a club guy. We talked about this on your show. Yeah. Where, but like there are people who organically came out of the alt world. There's not that many. Yeah, no, there's not. I mean, well, your generation's probably spurred the biggest names of that world and then it sort of but like people like galifianakis he was a club guy he started in regular clubs yeah but he became synonymous with all alternative yeah but like but even like me and Patton, uh you know we ended up in san francisco at the same time and he started in regular clubs in baltimore he's a regular club guy but you kind of get because we started doing those rooms that more suited our point of view but I can, you know, I can vouch for his his club bona fides. <laughs> right. But but also this is this never ending argument that exists only in Los Angeles, by and the only way. Only in comedies? Uh, only of, with comics? Yeah. Of, which are... of, of, of like club versus non-club guys. And you're like, what what does that even mean? It's important. <laughs> it's such bullshit. It's important. Andrew. Yeah. We're... Someone tweeted, someone great mm-hmm. tweeted. Yeah. Um, and he was an East Side guy. And I wish I would know. I don't want to call See, him like, out. I don't even know what that means. An East Side guy. A non-comedy store guy. Oh, you know, you know, so right. So the like, guys that only did not quite good enough to. Oh, see, ah. interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he said he tweeted something along the lines of yeah. um, all these East Side rooms make fun of the comedy store for being like this bro, bro commercial bullshit. And you're like, go to a comedy store show. <laughs> yeah, really. You're, go go you're, to a comedy store show. See the audience. It's the most diverse outlandish group of I can't believe these people in the same room together you go to an east side room oftentimes it's just people's friends it's just a bunch of fucking white people with beards I, yeah I don't like I can't I couldn't stand doing it it's like, whites I, with even, beards even when I went to nerd melt and shit I was like what is this I want it, wh- where's the mix of it and yet, there's a bro contingent at this store but you know sure. it's like those shows there's a nice balance between like big stars bros people you feel kind of bad about mm-hmm. kind of like oh this is a little sad <laughs> yeah i hope they do okay isn't that nice to feel yes. all the the waves of that the that's full, why the full i love range the of emotion really and people are very forgiving about it mm-hmm. like they assume because you're up there you know you have to be reckoned with right and there's a lot of old dudes that were like what's what's happening it's like eh, it's, change it's over. <laughs> fucking change man yeah. that's what's happening so Wait, so you grew up in Chicago? I grew up in Chicago. 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 And then I moved to go to school in Arizona. But wait, so what was Chicago, man? So what, like, what was the- What was my what, deal? What was the uh, crucible? 
that 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 created you? What were you? Uh, my how were you? my chiseled. My parents got divorced before I was one. Oh, that's it. There so it you're is. Broken. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My how dad. Old were you? Uh, before I was one, I never knew before my parents. Before you were one. Yeah, my parents were never together. In my mind, I never saw them together. So Santino, the old man. The gone? old man. No, he's he's. Uh, but he took off. Well, he got he went to jail, prison. Hmm. The other one. Big time. Multiple times, he went to prison a few times. So he's uh, he was a failure at whatever he was doing. Yeah, he yeah. Well, he was, or he was very, very good at it. Oh, yeah, he, he got <laughs> I think he loved cocaine a lot. Oh, I think so drug he, drugs were my father's vice. Wait, so you you had to backload all this information, or you had a relationship with the guy? I never knew the guy. I I only had to I had to learn him as I got older. Really? Yeah. So do you have brothers and sisters from the same man? No, we. I'm the only of mine. The I'm only kid. The only kid of my mom and dad. My mom and my stepdad have a, have um, my sister, and then my dad has children of his own. And you just heard about that? I would slowly learn about their existence. So wait. So when do you? St- so okay, you're growing. When did you? How old are you when your mom married the stepdad? They got married when I was nine. Oh, so you had a, a, It was just you and your mom for a while. Yeah, living in the city, and we lived uh, downtown Chicago in these high rises yeah. that at, are quite lug- luxurious. But then I learned. We were on like government subsidy programs because my mom worked for the companies that that property managed these high rises. Oh, so she. Got so a we kind of lived in the laps of luxury, but we weren't. We had no money. Right. We. I mean, we were. She was a working woman. We had money, but like. But it, she figured out an angle to get the good place. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah. So we would move from building to building, and we lived in three different buildings in downtown Chicago. She met my stepdad. Um, What's he do? He was in, in the in the automotive industry. Like he worked for Turtle Wax for years. Turtle you know? Wax. Do you know what that is? Sure. Yeah. And when they it's, a, it's a line of uh, car care products. Correct. Yes. And he bounced around in the automotive industry. And then he, when they got pregnant, when she got pregnant with my sister, they wanted to move to the suburbs because mm-hmm. they didn't want to raise another kid in the city. They had fucked up one, and they were like, "We can't fuck up two. You? you know? Yeah. Me. So when does the when do you and when do you start piecing together stuff about your dad? You know, it was, it was always so, uh, you know that, you know that song, The Cat's in the Cradle? Yeah. Yeah. That's like literally my life. Yeah. And I, I mean that genuinely. You know when somebody goes, that song's written about me? It really is. Like my father was never present in my life. My stepdad was a great father to me, yeah. a great dad to me. Yeah. But my father would do that thing where he'd be like, I'm coming to pick you up and never come. Oh, that was real. Oh I'd sit on the porch and my mom to this day loathes, I mean, could, you know when someone's like, oh, I don't really hate my ex. Uh, yeah. my mom couldn't hate a human anymore on earth because of, because of me, how not, we treated not because of them. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck about their mishap of a right, relationship. Right, but just how could you do that to the kid? To the you, kid. You're sitting out there right. with your baseball glove. Right. With a bat. With Always a bat. with a bat. <laughs> Dad, can we play hit instead of catch? But I, but I just, uh, I think so that, that shaped me a lot as far as like become let down. It, it, I, I understood what being let down meant. I understood what. Gauging expectations, but meant. wait, but so this started happening when you were like three, four, five. When I mean, I mean it, when it you... started when, probably when I was four or five, and then it continued on into my so young from, teens. So every time that happened, your mom would have to be like, he didn't like. She would explain. She him really or... wouldn't say much. To be honest with you, my mom and I have an extremely close bond because, yeah. and she, we understand each other remarkably well. We right. don't say. I understand how she feels, and she knows how I feel, and we move forward to something else together. But but you you've met the guy. No, no, I know. Yes, of course, of course. I'm just saying he was such a sporadic insertion in my life that it was so random. I don't 
I only know what I know of him in snippets. It reads like a like a. So he would come in the car and he and, and he picked me up and I'd spend a day with him or two days with him. And what would you do? Go on his job runs. He would. He was a contractor. I'd go to the south side of Chicago or the west side of Chicago. Yeah. And he would do these job runs in these predominantly black neighborhoods, and they loved him. And he was a people person. That's the one thing my mother was like. At least you took away. So he personality. He was like the there he is. Everybody loved him. Everyone loves him. He is bigger than life. I mean he's so he can Oh yeah. He can talk to anybody. He's oh, yeah. and people love him. Yeah. Santino. Santino. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was just he just had a vibe about him where he didn't he was really good at not making other people feel less than. Mm. We're all equals all the time. No matter uh-huh. race or color or he was very good at that, which made him a good salesman. Yeah. You know, he related to many was he a different salesman, people. Though? Yeah, a contractor. So he would be, you know, he'd be selling work. So was he, oh, see, so he was a fix it guy? He would get, he would assemble a crew to to redo kitchens and decks and, 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 hustler. A lot of exterior work. Oh, yeah. And, so, and his father was a hustler. My grandfather worked at the dog track until he died a couple months ago. In Chicago. Yeah, there's a horse track, there's yeah. Arlington, and there's Maywood, a dog track, a Greyhound yeah. dog track. Greyhounds, yeah. My grandfather was a consummate gambler who spent his entire living at the track working uh-huh. there and gambling there yeah and was a numbers runner for the mob when he was a kid numbers yeah so he was like a you know that he was when he was a young kid he was yeah. a numbers runner for the, sure. for the mafia sure running around the neighborhood with the pad yeah so i learned what his friends were and i've talked about this before but you know he had friend joe the hat was one of his friends sure. i thought that was normal to have the guys with the nicknames right i thought that was a thing that people do because generationally so was your dad connected I, through only through his father, oh. but but not but my father got into his own world through drugs and partying. Yeah. And I guess you could say those are branches of one another. But he didn't deal. I don't. That's the other thing. I don't know. Oh, you don't know. All I know is he is fucked he up. around. Yeah, he's still alive. He's in Chicago. We speak like I said. We speak like cats in the cradle. Yeah. Hey, I'd love to see you. And I'm like, I got my own shit going on. It's it's tough to now. But he's he's out of the he's out of the Huskow. Yeah. Yeah, he's out. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but my but my stepdad is my is my dad. I sure, call him my course, dad. Yeah, and he was he was always the father figure. Right. He taught me how to ride a bike and take a punch and right. play a sport. And how do you teach someone to take a punch? You know, your father hits you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to fucking let him Hold lay one still. in. You. Yeah, don't be a pussy about lean against the wall and you take a. <laughs> he just really was kind of like the everything I I needed. Uh, yeah, but the one thing that was missing was um, I never understood why. Uh, this guy, guy couldn't get it. No, he just couldn't get it together. It was more oh. like, why couldn't you get it together? And, and is life like, that hard? And you're kind of a hyper together guy. Um, uh, I am. You, you, if you saw my house, you'd be you'd nauseated. Well, it's like well, everything it's just, is in uh, place. everything goes in its place. Uh, mise en place. Yeah. So when yeah. you walked into my house, you're like, what's all this stuff on the floor? No, yours is quite neat, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're very neat. Yeah. Now, I, my, I but my stepdad playing. was a military kid, so oh, really? That also bleeds over into this discipline. Yeah, and also just like with like, uh, I, I'm I'm annoyingly OCD. Where like shoes by the front door. Right. Oh, really? And I'd say to my wife, I'd be like, why? The, what? Are, why are there three pairs of shoes by the front door? Huh. And she's like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. And I'm like, let's just keep one <laughs> problem. Yeah, let's keep one by the front door. Can't have things out of balance. Yeah, that's annoying. That that that's the. I think that's overcompensating for the for the for the lack of. Well, I lock structure. in on stuff. Well, I I mean I do that when I am, like I told you yesterday. Like I've got this thing where. I, I'm I'm locking onto things that I have to get like I have been dealing with this aerator that goes into my one of my bathroom faucets. You know the little thing that 
fits where the water comes out. Yeah. There's an aerator and then a, uh, like a screw in, like uh, I guess you'd call it a washer. It's, it's a washer. A it's almost like a yeah washer. And I've bought two sizes that don't fit. And I'm like, I'm in this thing. Like, and it doesn't even need it. <laughs> right. Like, the, I had the, a plumber come to fix it, and he said the aerator was clogged. So I said, I'll just get another one. But you don't know about plumbing. No. Do you know about plumbing? Nothing. So now I'm in it. Like, I'm in I'm in it for like thirty dollars already in aerators that are useless. And then I was at the hardware store yesterday. I'm like, oh, I can bring the whole screw and thing in. You can get the whole piece. Right. So today. Today's a big day. Today's a huge day. Oh, big. Yeah, I'm going in with the piece. I'm excited <laughs> for you. I'm excited for that moment that happens. When I get it in where there? Where the guy goes, you brought the wrong fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. They I don't guess. make this anymore. They what don't, the, huh? Uh, w- w- uh, is there a way for me to get it online? Or He's like, listen, man, just hire a plumber. You're like, but I, I, I did. had the guy. I, I did. I, I can do this myself. How hard is it? Yeah, and he's yeah. like, all right, well, yeah. listen, either hire a guy or I got not, I get, right. I like being fucked off by those people because we deserve it. We think we, we can do their thing. Everyone thinks they can do things. You just look it up. Yeah. Anything you, like, how do you do this? Like, there's got to be something online. And there is. There is. There is. Doesn't mean you're going to do it well. But yeah, but also it feels like cheating. Like, this is not the way people learned. No. Yeah, there was years of practice. Right, and embarrassment from the guy. Well, like the guy came over to uh, to clip all these trees. We have an oak tree. It has to be cut by, the city has to approve an oh. arborist. It's actually illegal in LA to County. To fuck with oak trees. To fuck with oak trees. Same with up north. Right, so we have these arborists that have to come to approve what you can cut. Uh-huh. And he would ask me questions about like sun numbers and shade shade percentages to certain parts of the house. Right. And I, I, I'm talking out of my ass like I know what I'm saying. Because he says it to you as if you know. Like, yeah. you know the sun number on this side of the home. They yeah, figure of if, course. You're, if you're going to be in that proximity to that tree, you, you've got to be obsessed. Yes, with, don't you know? Yeah. How do you not know? You have one of the, the classic oaks. <laughs> it's insane. And I just bramble on. I go, right, yes, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, what, what did, what did yeah. you say it was? And then you're he'll tell you. Sort of like, That's it. What can I do? Yes. Can we do this? <laughs> I need to... <laughs> And at yeah. the end of it, you just realize you you don't know shit, but also it's kind of comfortable because you know that they know that none of us know shit. Well, the weird thing is, depending on how you grow up in the world, or, or it's like you don't always know that you can pay people to do things. Right. It's like, I'm going to do this myself. Right. And then you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like, pay a guy like $15 an hour. Who does it for a living yeah, all day long. just fucking do it. Right. You know, it's amazing. And then when they come and do it, when they leave, you kind of feel like half like you did it. Like, I, I made that I mean, happen. I did the right thing. I was a contractor. Yeah, when one. they fix it, you feel good. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, have yeah, you ever yeah. painted any rooms in your home? I'm not going to do that. See, that's funny. We, my, my, I mean, I don't mind doing it, but I know there's guys you can hold a line better. You got to be able to cut that line. Yeah, well, my wife's dad is a contractor and- he is brilliant with fixing stuff. Yeah. And when we bought the house, that was the one thing. He's like, we should paint it together, all of us. Oh, that's nice. So we did. And yeah. also, I gained a new level of respect for people that paint. Oh, yeah. It is a fucking nightmare. For sure. Taping, prepping. Yeah. Then, then, And then that's just the first coat, which takes you yeah. days of, yeah. of these rooms. Yeah. And then the second, you're like, oh, there's another time we have to do Here's this? Here's how I like to handle that. All right, so you're all good? All right, I'm, gonna, I'm going out. <laughs> I'll my podcast back. isn't as successful as yours, so I need to cut corners where <laughs> I, got, I can financially. I got to. I got I'll be back in a few hours, right? And then you come I'm, back, like, oh my god, you guys did great. This is amazing. Yeah, the level of respect I earned when when you when you have a home and you learn when people fix stuff, you're like, oh, this is a fucking nightmare. I no, can't believe you do this. I do it all the time. I try to fix stuff all the time, and but, I and I can handle some things. But like, what? Like, what's the biggest thing you fixed? Mm. Like genuinely, where someone would go, wow, that's pretty impressive. You knew how to do that. I don't know. Yeah, because it's nothing substantial. No, it's just little things here and there. I mean, I don't fix it. Like, it's the problem with fixing is that you can start it, but you got to follow all the way through. And there's a lot of tricks to getting things back together. Right. 
Right. Taking things apart is easy. So easy. But putting them back together, like, oh, did you try to put that on first? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that goes on first. How, how can I know? This is my level of fixing stuff. One uh, of the toilets uh, slowly leaks. Uh, I just have to turn off the water when I'm done using the toilet now until the plumber comes and fixes it. Oh, I can get into the back of a toilet and do stuff. I don't even want to. No, I, I can why? do that. Really, you want to yep. go over and do it, please? No, I mean, why, what's the problem? It it's just running? Yeah, well, it's an old. It's such an old system. I think the lines are leaking. So I, I think it needs oh, to be- Oh, it's running. Yeah. Well, barely. It, you can hear it's slow, so Yeah, that's faint. a simple thing. What is it? It's the thing that goes that when you flush it, it lifts up a little plug. No, the cap, that, I've, I've replaced that. Oh. Yeah, I've done that. I did that. See? Yeah. I did that. So and, it's still and, running. And I called my plumber, Renee, and I said, I explained to him, and he goes, mm. I think it's a problem with the line itself, uh, the, the line itself, which which in my head goes, thousands of dollars. Well, I, this happened here. At this like I, That bottom bathroom, the new bathroom, yeah. like all of a sudden, it was just covered in water. The entire walls, it was spraying out the back of one of the pipes behind oh, the shit. toilet. And it just, it, you can look in there. There's water stains all over the paint. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and I had some doofus who I'd hired who was like not a real handyman. Yeah. The, those are the guys you got to watch out for. Totally. And he's like, you know, I've seen this before. It's probably a, the, it's an, a nail, an old nail in one of the lines. I'm like, what? How? And then I just had a fucking plumber come over and he's like, you just got to tighten this up. <laughs> that's it. Just one crank to the yeah, left. And that's it. And I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. I, no one thought of that. I had this other guy, this hack fucking handyman mm. this beer drinking guy that does two things well like i remember when i had to get the contractor in to do this adu mm -hmm. i asked that guy that, that got referred to me and i'm like do you know how to handle this he's like uh yeah and i'm like do you mm, the stutter yeah and i showed him the plans he's like oh it looks like you got to get a lot of stuff checked i'm like thanks i'm gonna uh, thank you for your input we'll talk later yeah <laughs> yeah we'll talk another time I, we ha I got fucked over by insurance. You gotta pay the guy. We yeah. had a leak uh, the, 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 in the middle of the night. Yeah. I hear like, and it's the hot water heater. One of the hose lines broke. So I turn off the water source. I go and I get a new line. Yeah. But at this point, damage has been done to the, the pilot starter box. Right. Uh, we'll be right back. This is uh, Guy Talk with <laughs> yeah. Mark Marin and Anderson. Guys who don't know how to fix, fix things. Shit. Yeah. But anyway, we got fucked. I called Ron insurance. Karkaroa? Yeah, hit him From up. what I understand, he's, he put up some drywall 30 years ago because he, he's still talking about construction. it. Construction. He's doing it now. He's he's rebuilding North Hollywood. Is he? Yeah, that's what he says, top yeah. to bottom. Oh. No, but I had to pay this guy uh, to basically tell me that I was fucked because I called insurance and I said, you guys said you'd pay for this. And they said, yeah, but it's a warranty thing. And, da, da, da. and they ran us around so much for such a minuscule thing. From that point on, I said, if it breaks, we will just pay someone to fix it. Or just I, get a new one. Well, that well, we did end up getting a new yeah, one. Yeah, a lot of times because. it's not as much as you think it is. I'm also quite cheap. I'll say that I'm very cheap. Why is that? Um, is it the way you grew up? A fear of of losing, a fear of it going all going away. Just the comic cheap, yeah. kind of like uh, got a hold. But on I think I'm I'm, I'm even more I'm over, I'm cheaper than more most comics. So what were you going? So you have this life where your dad's in and out of the uh, out of jail. He's yep. a problem. He shows up occasionally. Yep. Takes you down to the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have kind of a relationship. Yeah. Uh, early on, it was sad. Did, was there a period where you're like, fuck that guy, I'm done? I had a lot of fuck that guys. Oh. I mean, as you would in anything. I had a lot Did of- Did you ever fight him? No, nah, but I had a lot of like, I had a lot of moments where I realized I was a grown up. Yeah. And I was like, ah, eh, fuck you. I don't have to, I don't right. owe you shit. Oh, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, right. that was kind of a moment that I realized probably, probably out of college. Yeah. I think he got annoyed or angry at something because he was- you know, he had gone through sobriety many times and had <clears throat> relapsed. And then I think he was annoyed that I didn't want him present for something, something mm -hmm. personal. 
and um, my mom like was- Like a graduation or something? I don't really remember. I think it was like a birthday, whatever. So did you have to deal with him drunk? Never, no, no drunk, not, no drunk. He, cocaine was, I mean, he was mostly- So you had to deal with him jacked? Never. Oh. Now the one credit I will give, unless I was too young to understand, was he right. never was fucked up around me. Mm. But around me, he was probably biding his time. It was probably like, I have the kid for 20 hours. I can stay sober for 20 hours yeah. and get rid of him and go back. Right. Uh, do I know that for a fact? No, but I imagine that's what it was. And your mom, she's like straight. Uh, no, she. I mean, she'll have a, she'll have a couple of drinks, but yeah. yeah, she never. I mean, she grew up. She's you know she she's born in fifty five, so like she smoked pot. She she you know uh, she was part of that revolution. Yeah, but you probably tr- um, tried acid. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, yeah. never was. You don't know it, if she tried acid. No, she did. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> and now they're into now they're into weed again. It's so funny. My childhood getting yelled at for smoking pot. Now everyone's into weed. My my, my well Legal. now gummies are cool with my yeah. mom. Oh really. She, she doesn't. Them? She doesn't like smoking because she used to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. So she wants to get away from smoking. So she'll take gummies. Yeah, I don't like. I've been sober so long. I missed the whole gummy thing. I yeah. missed All that stuff. And it's a train that I don't know if you need to ride anyway. Nah. You. You. you it's not. All, all I know is that people like never. They always do too much with gummies. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> that you can take a hit of a, of a joint. You can't take like a little piece of a gummy. Yeah, it just doesn't seem. It's like not going to work. People are like, I don't know. I forgot how to pee. You know. It's like what. <laughs> That's what my buddy said when he first took it. He goes, I was worried about not breathing. I was like, that's not a fun, that's not a fun way to get high. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but she, but no. And so he just, uh, he had his struggles and I learned that I was my own man at some point. I just was like, oh, I don't fucking owe people anything. Yeah. I can just, I can be cordial and nice and polite to people, but I don't owe people shit. And I always had that weird, like, well, you should do right by them. It's like, by, for what? Yeah. I don't owe them respect. No, you don't. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm look. I, I, I'm with you. You know, and my parents weren't even that terrible, but it's sort of like this idea when you realize on some level that there's a good chunk of who you are that you had to put together by yourself. Yeah, because they were not there yes. to do it. You had to figure out Mark. Right. So it's sort of like I get the credit. Right. Right. I, right. I don't hate you, people, but you know, <laughs> you were just sort of around. Right. You built the thing that you're that you've become, and those things shaped you a little bit. But yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I don't think anybody owes anybody shit. And I, I, you know what I used to say when I was a kid that I never really loved uh, this idea that you had to always respect your elders. I'm with you because I was like, they could just be grown up assholes. No, I, I'm I'm totally with you, and it's a weird thing that you know people don't really think about it right. because they they take it for granted. But it's like. You don't have to respect anybody no. who didn't fucking deserve the respect. respect. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's just like we're this ridiculous kind of like um, uh, submissive place. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of what part of the fuck you that drives being a comic. Yes. I mean, I have a fundamental lack of respect for almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost. There's a few things I do respect. No, like I, I appreciate other people's skills. Yeah. And like, you know, when I can plainly see that people are capable of doing what they're what they say they're doing or, or artists or whatever. Right. But the idea that like just because you have a certain job or that you hold a certain place that like that commands respect. I don't know. Why? I don't know you. And who made that rule? Yeah. Where did so, that come from? So like, yeah, I'm not a complete fuck you to everything, you know, but there is a part of me that and it, it's gotten softer as time has gone on. But I, I don't automatically think you like there's certain people in like show business, like on the other side of the business. So I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, how do and I don't I don't know if we need to go into it too much, but you know it's like you're just like living I, off of me, me off of me. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not even one of the big earners. No, <laughs> you're bottom feeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, the I'm the guy that supplies pencils for right, the office. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're you're barely you're barely making uh, bar- barely making a dent in the books, but also. Mm. 
I, I understand our position. Like I've learned to just go, right, this is who I am yeah, to yeah, them yeah. and I'm okay with it now. Yeah. But what how does what was the path, man? I mean, so you went to college in where, Tucson? No, I went to ASU in Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, oh. in Tempe. Right. Oh, yeah. that's big. Yeah. So what happened was is my whole goal was to get to California, but I visited California and I was I knew immediately I could never afford it. And we had, you know, my parents were never going to be like, here's all the money to go to wherever you wanted. So I learned I could go to this school, the cheap out-of-state school, and I could get to California by way of, because I already knew in high school that I wanted to get into entertainment and specifically really? comedy. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. So, but you're running around Chicago. Like, Chicago's a great city, yeah. I think. I've yeah. grown to love it. I've worked yeah. there a lot uh, in recent years. And it's definitely its own thing. There's definitely a lot of, um, there's like uh, kind of like heavy people that smoke still. Yeah, yeah, we're a fat city. We're a fat city, but we're proud of it. Smoke? They smoke. Yeah, we all. Yeah, we smoke. You have to smoke. <laughs> you have to smoke to get through winter, and you have to have the burden of going out to a garage to smoke when you're still cold. Yeah, and you crack the door a little bit. I like bit. that though. There's, it's a very, it's a cultured city, but it's also annoying when you grow up and everyone has this right to complain about the weather. It just gets tired. You're like, yeah, well, then fucking we should move. Yeah, I know. It's cold here a lot. Why don't we move? Yeah. I, like my fam, I'm the only one that left uh, Chicago. Yeah, my I'm, mom's one of 10 kids. All, all of the all of the brothers and sisters, all the grandkids, still they there. all live in Chicago. What do you make of that? Because like, it reminds me of Boston where I lived as well, too. There's a lot of smoking and weight. And there, it's like a, it's one of the great cities. Yeah. Like there's only a few in this country. And I think there people develop a loyalty to it and there's a whole you know, way of thinking around it. And it, Because the culture- Catholic families? Catholic, yeah. The culture yeah. supports that kind of uh, lifestyle. I would say like, because you have a strong sports team presence, which always does this bonding thing. It makes us feel like we're all on the same yeah, team. Yeah, I missed all that, yeah. But I mean, but it does, if you move there, it would kind of do it to you naturally now. You know, if you move to Chicago- yeah. You would go to a local bar or restaurant and you'd feel the camaraderie that is kind of lacking in places like LA no, where- Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Just, we don't have that thing. I feel that in Chicago more than, it's not New York much anymore either. No, but New York is such a, New York weird is such different. a weird, fuck, yeah. different place. It's its own universe. Different universes, but Chicago seems to have a core universe. Like, uh, where'd you tape that special? At the Vic. Yeah, I taped that. I did one at the Vic. Yeah. It looked different than mine. I regretted it, it tremendously. Sounded a little echoey. Yeah, I hated it. Why? I, I wasn't ready to do that special. I didn't want to really do it. Showtime gave it to me because we did the show. I didn't love everything I put on it. I didn't really want to do it I, for some reason. I just, I didn't love it and I didn't want to do it. Hmm. Yeah. It was so many things, but I felt like I should. And I felt this pressure from Showtime to uh, like- I've, There's a lot of me out there that you were like, you just didn't feel baked. Yeah. You were, you were half cooked. You yeah, weren't I, ready. Uh, no, I, was, I wasn't ready. And I just didn't really feel. Um, the only thing that I loved about it was I was going back home to do something that I was proud that I was proud to be able to say I was able to do. Yeah. But outside of that, I didn't love the special. I didn't. It wasn't the best what version of me. 2016 or 17. Huh. So yeah. not that long ago. No. And you feel like in the last three years. My strength has gotten tremendous. I've gotten so much stronger with how I structure now and the jokes I want to put out and. Yeah, I just think I've gotten way stronger. I've gotten, that was more in, for me, it was more like when you think you're ready for something and you probably, you might, oh, yeah. you might not yeah, I be. always thought I was ready. And you're probably not. Like the, those stories I told you on your show, where yeah. I'm yelling and with that, I always thought like, you know, why am I not? Well, we all feel getting, that way. Yeah. But, but honestly, looking back on it, I was not ready to handle anything. No, but there that's kind of the beauty of doing it then. Like I'm okay with it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm okay with it, yeah. but also, 
Like right now, like now, when I did the Joker, you know, from doing my podcast and talking to celebrities, everything like I, I was not freaked out to be doing a, a walk and talk with De Niro. Yeah, because why? He's just a guy, right? Yeah, and then but you're looking at him, it's like fucking Robert De Niro. It's like I know, but in person, it's not the same. No, <laughs> he's just a guy. Yeah, he's a man who has flaws and. You under you kind of feel and it has from people. A really hard time remembering very few lines. Well, he's also what is he eighty now? He's old. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How, why do it anymore at this point? I asked that. Well, I don't know. He seems to have a lot going on. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yes, he does. You yeah, know, you, you get the big money, you get the big life, and that that can turn on you. Again, my fear when we talked about before. Mm. My fear is like, why would I start being the guy who has all the too much shit? And then, then you have to pay for all of it for the rest of your life. But Fuck you, that. You just you're just you're feeding it every yeah, month. No thanks. Do you have a boat. Yeah, no. Yeah, like yeah. You got a boat. You have guest you, houses and 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 and. Are and, you a boat guy? No, no way. I hate I boats. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't. Why I don't do I need to go out on a boat? Motorcycle. I like bikes, but mm. I never will own one because you know I've had you friends died. just get murdered on those things. So all right, so you 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 knew you were gonna get out of Chicago. You wanted that out, and in high school you knew you were gonna do comedy, but you you weren't doing comedy in Chicago. Yeah, no. So you get into ASU, is it? Yeah, which is not hard to do. No, my brother went there. Yeah. I know people go there. Kind of and walk um, what, what was the I, plan? I met a bunch of Southern California guys. That school is filled with kids from California. But what were you going to major in? Like just communication? I did journalism. Oh, journalism. Yeah, English was my minor. How'd that all pan out? Did you graduate? I graduated summa cum laude, my friend, in four years. Well, you know what it is, and, and I notice this when I watch your stand-up, is sort of like um, <laughs> with uh, with journalism... Not so easy with English. You can charm your way through it. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you can definitely charm your way into honors. <laughs> I did. I, I truly did. did. You just kind of like uh, you meander. You 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 shoulder your way through smoothly. You're like I, sure, I'm man. here, right? And they're like, and you, you are. You're fine. Manage your electives properly. You yes, can, like, correct. Nail them. You know yeah. what I mean. Stay away from the language one. Easy. Get it. No Spanish. Fuck that. Second yeah. language. I'm no way. No, I tested out. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. I was like, I'm not doing that shit. Are you out of your mind? Where's the dum dum test? Yeah, yeah, I can. I'm not proficient. But then it then then I learned that I I knew in college I wanted to do it, and at the time Tempe Improv was the only one that was around. Um, Comedy wise, I would do a couple of Mikey things, but they were uh, atrocious. And I used to sneak into the Tempe Improv because I knew a girl that worked in the booth that I yeah. kind of hooked up with. Right, and I'd go see guys. I, I saw Mitch right before he died. I was, uh, was, was he working with me? No, I de- I co-headlined with Mitch there. It was Tempe. It, he did Tempe, Tempe probably yeah, no, a couple Tempe. months before he died. No, this would have been before that. No, yeah, it was. Um, oh, so you didn't look good. It was terrible, man. It was actually the worst. I, I remember walking back to my Sad. dorm and being like, "Oh, that didn't make any sense. I didn't feel like the guy that I liked." He got it. like he was so strung out. He he looked weird. Yeah, it looked unusual. Right. Right. Yeah. right. There just something was off. Yeah, and you couldn't put your finger on it. Right. Really. Yeah. You were like, oh, well, interesting. Yeah. But I got to see a lot of people there, and I started to try a little bit. And then a friend of mine had said, my friend Colin had said, hey, if you don't come with me to California, if you go back to Chicago when we're done, you're never going to fucking move. That room, so the so the Tempe, you did open mics in college? No. no because no, no. that room was weird and hard. No, it's I never did big, the improv. Right, but it's yeah. a big weird room, that room. Yeah, it sucked. I, I, for a comic I, now, I really looking feel back, like it did suck. Yeah. It's still there, right? It is. I've never played it. But I, but, you know, I learned quickly that if... My friends were like, if you don't move with us to Southern California to get to Los Angeles, you're going to go back to Chicago and get some bullshit job and you're not really going to go for it. So uh, the influence of my friends was truly why I moved to Los Angeles. Well, it's interesting because like there actually was a vital comedy scene in Chicago. Yeah. Like Chicago is, in terms of the modern show business landscape of comedy, 
is like the premier city. Yeah. It's not stand-up driven, but there's definitely plenty of comedy there. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the second city drove that place as far as comedy goes, but I knew that if I went back to Chicago, it, I would have too many of my old conveniences there of, of being close to family and getting lazy. And I thought, well, if I'm going to drown, I want to drown in the ocean. It's wild, man, because coming out here with without any without anything no money no connections it's, it's like it you it's such the, it's the shittiest feeling in the world yes because you're just stranded yep and you're like in culver city or wherever and you're like how do i get from here i was in culver city you were it's literally where i moved <laughs> <laughs> i swear to god national on the freeway that's where i moved that's where i was national on, the on freeway. overland i was on national boulevard by the fucking 10 i oh. was on overland right right off the freeway yeah national national on the 10 in an apartment in an apartment Guess where I lived in a in a uh, partitioned off dining room. The dining room got turned into a bedroom right, for me. Right, and the two other guys slept in a bedroom, and we shared three guys, one bathroom. Right, and you're just sitting there going, like, "How do I get from here to that billboard?" Impossible. No, no way to know. Yeah, you just thought, and they were all happening in see You drive around looking like it's probably going on in there. Look yeah. at that studio building. That's so where they're it making happens. a movie right now. Right. Sharon Stone is in there right now, yeah, doing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt. I felt this like. Uh, but also, I, I learned quickly how to meander my way into um, the comedy scene because I th- I learned that it was like, oh, you just show up, hang out, be kind of cool, and work hard. You'll start getting more spots. But you were a fan, so like it's interesting. Like Who told that story? I think it was Rick Kearns tells a story about um, doing a meeting. Like he, had a, <laughs> he, he didn't have a car, but he got this big meeting at CBS or somewhere, and he goes in and takes the bus. The and bus he, to yeah, CBS. Yeah, and he does the meeting, and then he's sitting at the bus stop, and the executives that he just met with drive out, and they see him at the bus stop. Good to meet you, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's coming in 15. I'll be out of here soon. Yeah, that. but that's what this business is. You're trying to get the attention of multi-multi-millionaires so you can get a little or bit of the Or their lackeys. Or the lackeys thereof, yeah. And you just want to get a little bit of peace. Just give me a little peace. Oh, fucking worst. All right, so- but when do you do your first spots? How do you? What do you put together? Well, the like open mic at the comedy store. I used to go to the Sunday and Monday. Oh, the Mondays. Put my name in the bucket, and then through there, I met Brooks Whelan and Fahim Anwar were two of my closest yeah. friends. And those guys all would, we would all tell each other about. Hey, there's a. I heard there's a mic in Culver City. It used to be a one by that park, and there's a coffee shop. And then we'd all kind of keep sharing, and that's how I learned where mics were. It there there didn't there wasn't like a database of mics. You just had to like slowly no, it was like learn. a circuit. Right. It was like, oh, you can go here and here and here on Wednesday. And I have a calendar uh, still in a bin that showed every night that I was doing where, and I would write down all these mics. And like on these nights, I had to make this mic by this time so I could get to this one, this one. And I just- That was the thing. See, that wasn't the thing when I was younger, when I was starting out. So you'd had to go from the coffee shop to the bookstore to the laundromat. Yep. And I would do it every (laughs) fucking night. I'd work my day job all day. And then at night- I, I was a and PA. Monday nights at the store. I remember when I was a doorman at the store back in the 80s. It's just like that line out in front of the store on Mondays. Gross. Like some guy wearing a garbage bag. Yes. Another guy in a chef's hat. Some guy has a You're bird like, on his shoulder. Yeah, it's like, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, it was a nightmare. I fucking hated it. <laughs> but I, And I went one time to- and Don uh, Barris going, how's everybody doing? Right. Ma- ma- mocking, your, yes. mocking your existence. Yes. And then I, re- I went to Mike's slowly but surely and then started getting booked on produced shows. And then- uh, grew from there and there and there and then went. You so know. that's it. So no club affiliation until you'd already put a few years in. I went to the store. Uh, t- I did the open mic to the store, but in 2007 it was the store was pretty low key. There wasn't much I know, going that's on. That's when. Yeah, I remember. And then I would come back a little bit later. Tommy would eventually, who was the old Booker there, 
would eventually start to really like me because I showed up very prepared. I would do my set and I would fuck off. I didn't hang out. Right. And he said it to me because people who don't know, people hang out at the store too much. Do they? A lot, a lot of guys, when I was coming up, they would hang over there. They would hang out too much. You're like, you're there every night, all night. And all usually, night. they're getting drunk. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, when I, when I, as a grown-up, when I went back to the store years later, you know, after whatever happened to me in the 80s or 90s, uh, like, I don't I don't stay there. I don't know what happens to that place after 10.30. Well, it, I'm it, gone. that's the problem is young comics, I think, committed too much of their time to not going and doing other sets. I would show up, and I'm not saying my way is the right way, but Tommy liked it that it was like, you get up, you go on, you leave. And I was like, yeah, because I go do my best shit, show off for you, and I go home because I just wanted to get past. Yeah. I hung out a little bit, but I probably had some other bullshit set to go to. Yeah. So because of that, the culture that got created started to, it became apparent that, you know, I could do the OR and then subsequently got passed in maybe 2010. Right. Maybe that was Right before he left? Yeah. Literally literally right before he left. Uh, Dude, I didn't get my name on the wall till 2000 and like- three or four because when Duncan was booking it and he was like how is your name not up there (laughs) and they're actively trying to take it off by the way I'm on a committee of trying to take your name off the wall no we want it down we want it down I worked so hard but on my birthday I got I got passed at the improv which was a big deal at the same time I got passed at the store and then I put in a lot of time in the store but I also started to go over to like Meltdown or yeah you know uh, I felt like I had to do all that shit too when I got back here yeah, you do kind of have to start all over again, per se, in a weird way. You just kind of tag around. But I, you got to, you're, because of your cultural influence and the people that you're, your peers, Yeah, you have probably an easier time showing up to these places than when I go to the Virgil. It was always a little bit like, he's a comedy store guy. Or like, like I've never been booked at the uh, Largo. I've never played Largo. I've never stepped foot in the Largo. I get it. Yeah, I mean, like, but I always... But the weird thing is, for me, there's part of me that's sort of like, I'm really not this. But you are. But I am. I am. I'm very much it. Yeah. That's I, what I mean. You are, but you're, you don't, you're trying to fight it. I didn't come it. from it. Yeah, but it, but it's a part of your culture. Well, I just, it's like, uh, it's a better audience for me sometimes, in a way. Sure. But also, it tempers me. Because, you know, I, I, I came up in the dark, shitty, dirty world. And I can be a dark, shitty, dirty person. Right. But there it's sort of like, don't be so dark and shitty here. Yeah, they, they, okay. they, want, they want way more fluff. It's not fluff. It's, it's, it's um, yes. they want more highbrow. It's not fluff. I think they want a little bit more. Um, uh, Dude, the people that would kill the hardest in alt rooms are club comics because they don't know it. Right. They, they, those audiences didn't come up in the club world, and the guys who work real clubs, they know how to do it. So yeah. these guys would come in with their fucking straight-up club act, and the, the alt rooms would be like, oh, my God. Right. And they'd all of a sudden see what real comedy is, and then someone would get up there and you know talk about his pants for 20 minutes. And yeah, but, for me, it was hard following those guys. Well, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. You have to bring real shit. Yeah. But unless you, when you're a famous comic, club comic, and you go to the alt rooms... It's it's easier when you're a comic who is kind of known as a club guy. They do have a tendency to kind of want to shut you out a little bit. No, no, I get what you're saying, which is fine. Which I, mean, I, I, I totally was always respect. able to do both worlds, and I had I had equal resentment for both worlds for different. That's reasons. That's why it worked so well. I guess they hated you everywhere. Yeah, or I hated them more. It was That's more like it. Was. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had the hatred, but the acting. That was around the exact same time. Around 2010 when I got passed, I got a, I landed a job that got me out of that got me out of my day job 
and it was a hosting gig on a on MSN to just do like a comedic take on what's going on in the news today. Oh, really? And I got a contract to do it for one calendar year, and I literally called my mom, and I was like, I can quit my fucking job. Got insurance? Yeah, like I finally could quit my job. Which I, was what? Uh, I was working a day job as a PA. Well, I was doing a P. I was a PA for a um, a movie studio, and then after that, I was working in the music industry, booking international tours for people like we did cypress hill macy gray we were getting them visas you were the booking oh you're just working for somebody we were working with their tour managers to get them visas and travel arrangements and all that stuff i was a gopher i would just whatever they needed i did all i did it. pa work i did pa work it's one of the reasons i became a doorman at the comedy store is because i got this random pa job for something mitzi was producing some garbage what was it do you know yeah i know what was it there was a period there in like i guess it was like 87 maybe where she was trying to do a comedy channel and shooting all these sketches with all her fucking weirdos yeah and it was you know it was across the street where before house of blues there used to be a house there that she'd made into a restaurant called Barrymore's. It was one. It was like one of the Barrymore family's old Hollywood homes, and she had production offices over there. So, it was you know right where they built that new building. Yeah. And I got the PA gig through somebody else, and it, she was fucking Danny Stone at the time. And they were, and there was all the like Karen Haber, Charlie Barnett, Danny Stone, oh, Joey Kamen, all the people that you don't know. No, no idea who those are. Sure, but they were shooting these sketches, and I just remember getting the job as a PA and going up to her and go, Mitzi, you remember me? I auditioned for you like six weeks ago. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're more funny. Go tell Becker you want to be a doorman. And that's how I got the doorman. <laughs> no shit. Is I reminded her. She didn't remember you, though. Of course she did. She did? Yeah. Like she wasn't going to let me fucking work. She wasn't that way. Just no. to let anybody. No. Nah. See, it's funny because I've heard so many different versions of her over the years from different people. Well, at that time, she wasn't losing it yet. She was still all together. Yes. But even when she was all together, she was extremely... PC mentally, right? I've heard that she was just, she was all over the place. She was trying to do 50 things at once. And I guess, you know, but I do not think that if she really had, if I didn't hit a note, she would not have uh, just told me to go get a doorman job. Sure. I guess that's true. That dude, it was such a weird, different world. When right. the fucking, and then I had to answer phones, I had to work the door, I had to drive the Jeep, I had to get her chicken salad. I did not fuck her. <laughs> that should be the name of your book I did not fuck I did her. not fuck Mitzi I did not fuck Mitzi so much of that world seems pretty tragic to me yeah and it was a rolling tragedy dude yeah yeah when did that cease I don't know you were there I mean I left <laughs> I lost my mind on coke and I was gone by eight, by 88 good god and then I ran home to Albuquerque cleaned up went back to Boston and got back on started doing comedy again I was all I wanted to do was do comedy but then I really kind of reloaded back here full on 2006, 2007. It's been in and out. Will you spend the rest of your life here, you think? I don't know, dude. I, you know, I, I get, I don't know what you think in terms of like, I sometimes fantasize about going where I grew up. I can get a house in New Mexico. People do that. Industries there. I could rent it out, all this stuff. But like, do you really want it? What do you think you're going to find? You think, you, what Nothing. are you going to go back to high school? Right. What? Go back to work at your high school. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go work at the, maybe the re restaurant I worked at in high school. No, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. The house I used to live in was leveled. Really? Yeah. That, see, that's tragic to me. Well, I, well they built another house yeah. there that looked kind of like the one I lived in. The area is the same. Not the very first house, but I don't know what you do. I have dreams about going back to Chicago, though, because I love Chicago so much. The city is so rich. It's just like, there's so much life there. Even if it's not anything like it was when I was a kid, it just, 
it's still so rich. I mean, it's just well, so- it feels. It does feel like you can't take the Chicago out of Chicago. Like New York, like they've moved everybody out. And, no, you know, it's, it's, but, but, but did New York ever really have a singular identity? It was just, it's a bunch of different identities all over the not city. Not really. It kind of did have a singular identity. In your, when you were there? Well, no, I mean, you know, there's uptown, there's rich people, whatever. But, you know, it's a grid and the, the each neighborhood represented something. But there was a working class in New York in that, Manha- lived in Manhattan. In, that lived in Manhattan yeah. that can't live there anymore. So right. now, like, they're all moved out. You don't even know who owns the buildings. It's all kind of been turned out for, uh, you know, uh, mollified and whatnot. Yeah, so that's my thing is, like, I think that's... Chicago just still has this we're all here thing. We haven't get Chicago never got taken over by something. I mean, there has been a, a high influx of a lot of money. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of new money and a lot of very expensive parts of Chicago now, but it still has that thing that it's still so, a working class blue collar yeah, city. Yeah, I feel that. So you got that one gig. I got am- that one gig and I quit my I got to quit my job and that helped me do oh, comedy. Yeah, we got the PA job. Somewhat full time, I guess you could say it was. But were you? Did you at some point decide you wanted to be an actor more than a comic? Or I always had it in me. I always was like, I, I did a couple of plays in college. I always like really kind of yeah. wanted to, but I yeah. was so scared to admit it because right. I was like, comedy is something I can actually take on and not give a shit if I fail because I know the I know it's this grind because I was a student of it. I was like, I know what it's going to take. You just have to bust ass yeah. all the time. With acting, I was like, I'm not that good looking. I don't have any tr- formal training. So it was daunting to even think about it. But I would tell my manager at the time, throw me out for some shit if they want a you know, goofy looking redhead again. Yeah. And then slowly but surely, I learned that I was, you know, I was good at it. I just was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. I could yeah. access emotions right. better than some of my peers. Yeah. And then I started landing shit. And then truly, I've said it before, but, I, you know... Allison Jones, casting director, yeah. kind of really found me, so to speak. Yeah. Went, her her and Wendy O'Brien were both like, you're good. You could, you should really commit. And I started to learn that I was like, okay, maybe I should really try to go for shit. And from there, you know, it's that's a whole nother you get? game. Well, she put me in the office, which was fucking huge. Oh, you were on the office? I just did one little episode of the office. Yeah. And after that, it was kind of like, what else can I find for you that you can show off? Yeah, what else were you I did an episode of Rested Development. Um, I did. I don't. Honestly, I'd have to look it up. And I, I know this sounds really sad, but I just don't. Your IMDb. I, well, it doesn't matter. I, well, I just. Well, but honestly, but the biggest thing you did was I'm dying up here. I'm dying up here was. To, I mean, I, I booked a pilot called. I I did a show called Mixology in 2000. And I kind of remember that. It was a ABC show. That was kind of like the first thing I ever landed. Yeah. But I did. Uh, um, you know, yeah, The Office, Arrested Development, Children's Hospital. Oh yeah. Then that. Then I did the league. Uh, you know. Then I did that mixology show. But the, before that, I the first thing I ever landed. The first thing I ever did. I did punked for MTV. I did like the one of the remakes of punked. Oh, you hosted or just was, no? I was one, one of, the, of the one of the one of the pranksters. One of the assholes. One of the assholes on there. Yeah, I did that thing and I helped write some of the bits. It was huge for me. Uh, looking back, I'm glad so I did it. What? But when did you like? Did, were you were you like a Rogan guy? In the sense, no, I mean, I, I guess people do associate my name with him now because he had me on his show and it helped me kind of gain some resonance in the podcast. But you world. weren't a regular guy. You tour with him. You do, what, what, I've done. What? Yeah, I, uh, once in a while he'll he'll let me go out and do some shows if he's like, "Do you want to come open for me somewhere?" Right, and right. I will. I'll go wherever he wants. Is it to just go. you? It's me, Ali Makovsky, Ian Edwards, Tony. Uh, he has a few guys go before. He's got him, a right? big click of people that he'll take out once yeah. in a while. But does he take out more than one at a time? I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's always somebody that opens the show and then a middle act, or, oh, okay. or there'll be two middles and we just split time. Right. 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 Me and Edwards would do that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know Ian. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And we'll just split time. Yeah. Um. But Joe, Joe, 
started to know who I was around the comedy store six years ago, something yeah. like that, and then just liked my stand-up. Right. And then was like, how come you don't have a podcast? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, well, come do mine. Yeah. So I got to do his, and then I started to do other people's podcasts, and then I learned that I enjoyed it, and I was okay at it. Right. But Joe, I, I would never say, like, I'm associated with him. Right. But I was never, like, a one of his- You don't, you didn't move to Austin. I'm I'm there mentally. I'm there. Uh, no, no. I had no fucking. When he joked about that, he was like, "Would you Would you ever think about moving out here?" I was like, "You out of your fucking mind!" Like I just bought a house two years ago. I just finally got to a place when I could settle down here. But uh, no, that's that's not. I'm not. Um, You're your own guy. I am my own. I, unfortunately, like we said before, I think I'm so much of my own guy. It, it sometimes it hurts me a little bit. I yeah. think it'd be helpful to be a part of a group, but I'm know. not. I can't. I'm no good at it. I'm no good at it. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's I, because as soon as I'm part of a group, I'm sort of like, what the fuck, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, I don't like these fucking guys. <laughs> these guys are annoying. I'd rather be alone. <laughs> I do. I really do do my own thing a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Which yeah. I which is a benefit. I can work in a. I can work in an ensemble. I'm good. I can work with people like acting or anything else. Sure. But in terms of sort of like, hey, me and the boys are going. Nah, I'm not. I'm not one of the boys. I just. Sorry. But I, I. I just don't agree with enough people enough to just get involved. And I just want to. I want to poke my head into things. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. I'll do that. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm going to keep doing whatever else well, I'm doing. For me, it's like there's always the guys. Like that's the guys. Like come on, guys, and he's going. Yeah, the all, guys. Yeah. And now he, there's the one guy that's the, he talks and holds the guys together. Right. The guy I am, uh, I'm the one where they go like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about him. Let's yeah. just where are we going? Yeah, why has he got to come with us? He's not coming with us, Mark. We have too many people in good. the car, man. Good, Sorry. good. <laughs> That's your response. No. Good. No, my good. Used, my my response used to be like, oh, I'll just follow you guys. I'll follow you in my car. Yeah, that's and then sad. They, and then they ditch you. Yeah. They tell you they're going to Mel's Diner. They're really yeah, going to Swingers. Yeah, it's just like your dad. <laughs> and I'm waiting outside of fucking <laughs> Mel's just tapping my toes with yeah, my baseball. Yeah. Where are my friends? My baseball, yeah. my baseball mitt. Yeah, I was that bat. guy until I got hard, man. I hardened up. What hardened you up the most? Oh. I, what turned you sour? Well, I don't know what turned me sour. I think when, when my first real girlfriend, you know, left me and then when- Late years later, when the uh, the second wife left me, but comedically, um, it's just pretend. Yeah. You know that you just pretend like it doesn't hurt you until one day it doesn't. You know. See, because the way I know you is we know each other just as comedians. Right. We've never spent a lot of time together. Yeah. And I, y there's a perception that people have of you. It's wrong. Yeah, it's interesting. I've learned that over the years yeah. that you're not that guy. Because when we speak at the store, I it's always very nice and cordial and wonderful. But there is a perception that you're this hardened ex-comic criminal. This like vibe of like, yeah, I do. I'm. I, they they have this. There's this fantasy with it's you. Weird. Well, I think you probably aided in some of it over the years, and well, then I, a I, lot of it was created by uh, everyone else. Well, I think really what it is is like I I was just I I was just angry. I was usually thinking about myself. I wasn't carrying some sort of attitude as much as I was just bitter and weird. Inside yourself. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and then people project onto that. But like as time went on, as people people who know me, like I'm I'm a fucking marshmallow, really. Well here like, here's something that you did that I'll I wanna point out. <laughs> to you? Yeah. But uh, it was it was very it was very funny uh -huh. because there was like a submit to be considered to be in the Emmys. And you had submitted my name was on like a list and you had come up to me at the store. Oh yeah. And you had said, Hey, I you know, I submitted for you for that thing. Yeah. 
And I said, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, it didn't deserve it. But I was like, that's really nice of you. And you were very much like, yeah. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and then you kind of fucked off. Yeah. And I think I wrote you a an email or a text message. or I don't even know how I try to communicate with you. Yeah. And it, I've, I've put like a heartfelt sappy thing because I yeah. have that inside of me. Yeah. And um, I think all you wrote back was, you got it or something like that. Yeah. It, yeah. it was very much like. Yeah. This is the end. We're not talking about this no, but emotional but, thing anymore. But see, the weird thing about that is, is like I, I just literally don't have the, the focus to really dig into. A I get text. that. I get that. So when I go, I got you know, people think I'm being curt, and I'm not. I, there's a lot going on. It's just like how much. What do I got to write here? Right. What, well, well some people involve themselves in the emotion of communication, and you're very literal. You're like, well, this is kind of well with email and text. I've I've lost my ability to. To do that. Right. See, I've learned that I have to do it more because I've, I've had people tell me that hurt my feelings that you didn't X, Y, Z. I'm like, shit, I didn't know. I yeah, no well, maybe idea. I should learn that lesson. No. Because I put a lot of work into like I do a weekly email blast th for the podcast, right? Yeah. And I really write the thing and it's and I, and I and also I'm, I'm constantly, you know, just bleeding on my podcast and stuff. Yeah. So I put all that emotion out in the world. So when it comes to responding to a text, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I get it. Trust me, I understand it. Well, because we've disconnected from an honest face-to-face -face version of the communication to just saying, I want to receive that same emotion. But uh, Maybe through, you should call more. Through the letters. I do call people a lot more now. The pandemic made me start calling people. Mm. I would, Fahim Anwar and I have, like I said, he's my oldest friend. I've known him since we literally both moved here. Yeah. And only in the past couple of years have we really started to call each other and speak on an almost daily basis. Because we fucking love chatting with... We, those are the days when we were younger, we would get some great conversation out, some really deep shit sometimes, or just talk shit and have a laugh. Yeah. And that went away. Yeah. We both got, everyone gets busy and then you just stop doing it. It's weird. Yeah. The other thing with me is I think I'm just a little preoccupied and, and impolite. I'm not an asshole. No. But I mean, those two things can equate that. You know, like if I get to the store, I'm sort of like, what's happening? Where are we going? Where, what's, who's on? What, why is this, what's going on down here? Right. You know, and I, there's people I know for years, but like. That's what I learned about you, by the way. What? Was that when you're at the club, yeah. you are very much at the club. Work-minded Mark is like tuned in. Yeah. You're not a, hey, what's going on? Fuck that. Yeah. I've learned that like when Marin's there, it's like a, you're like a, it's like a tractor beam of thoughts that you're executing in front of your own eyeballs. Right. And then you're doing it. And then when you're done, you will say goodbye or what's yeah, up to you. Yeah, hang out a minute. Yeah. Right. But it's when you're there for the show, you're very much not a, Sebastian's the exact same way. Yeah. People think Sebastian's a little bit, um, some, some younger guys are like, oh, he's, you know, he doesn't really talk to him. He just is focused as fuck. He wants to go do his work and yeah. then he wants to leave, which yeah. I totally respect. Yeah. When you're young, you don't get it. You're like, you know, you don't even look at me, man. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah, true. That's true. The generational thing. Because I, I, there's generally, genuinely people I like seeing. I mean, and I'll, I'll talk to them. I'm always happy to see people. Yeah. And I think there are people that know, you know, you know, know who I am inside, and you know, they don't. Yeah. They don't mess with it. I just say hi to you, and that's it. I always go, hey, and you're always like, hi. <laughs> that's about as nice. That's about as. And the next thought in my head is like, what does that guy even do? <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Son yeah, because I don't bitch. know. Like, I hear his name. It's like you know, he seems to have his shit together. I don't know what he does. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I like I like kind of floating on my. Yeah, own but now shit. that's over. Now, yeah, now it's sort sucks. of like now we gotta like lock in. No, I'm gonna see. <laughs> no, we can continue this fantasy as far as we need it to go. The best part about being a professional and yeah. having your own shit going on uh -huh. is that you can kind of just 
do your own fucking thing and nobody cares anymore. I don't like that people think like I'm because re- I'm really not what people think I am. And I think that most people who listen to the podcast kind of know that now. Sure. But there is there was this old version of me that younger comics or people who know me from comedy used to have. And maybe I was an asshole, but I was like I was, you know, I was I don't know if it was bitter, but sometimes it comes out of me. You know, like like when we off the mics the other day, you know, it's sort of the mics go. I was like, that fuck that guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I used to do that just on stage. Right. See, that's do- <laughs> that's doesn't help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I used to. I didn't know that there, there was the, the things you don't say out loud. But it's honest, if nothing more. You'd... I know, but I used to pride myself on that. But that honesty just makes people afraid of you. Sure. Or, or think you're an asshole. It's more that they just think you're not someone that they need to f- associate with. Or trust. Yeah, they're just like, ah, oh, that guy's, he's not- He's, he's throw you under the bus, that right, guy. Right, he'll say some shit about you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you don't so, want to be that. So guy. instead, people just say hi, yeah, and that's yeah, it. They yeah. just go, hi. Don't give him any more. Don't rock he'll, the boat. He'll, he'll feed on right, whatever- don't give him ammunition to fucking light you up for no reason. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. I do I do think that's okay, because this idea that we're all going to be buddies. You, what, what, what job would you walk into that you're going to be friends with all of your coworkers? Well, the thing is, is we took the job where we did didn't have to do that right and and also like we're also a bunch of people that really don't fit into other things no we're selfish and yeah, self-centered and a bunch of monsters right we're bad people yeah. we all just listen to terrible. me yeah listen what we're doing terrible now terrible people listen to us please we're terrible people yeah we're worthless just sort of like you know have no sense of what it's like to live in the real world no but mock it right but shit on it on yeah, a daily yeah, yeah, basis yeah, yeah. yeah. like what, the, you got you got a secure life boo <laughs> how's your 401k dick Right, mocking the the normalcy, but yeah. that's but that's that's why you I enjoy think your family. What a <laughs> you puss. sicko! You fucking sicko! Uh, Follow the sheep. Yeah, yeah, sheep. You fucking. What are sheep. you doing? I'm. I don't know. I'm gonna sleep in. <laughs> that's it, though. Yeah. I don't. Other than that, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll I figure guess. Figure it out. I got all the time I want, man. <laughs> Not you. Yeah. That's what, well, I heard Seth Rogen did. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Howard Stern and he had said that about him not having kids and was like I get to sleep in and smoke weed on Saturdays you know whatever and there was a piece of me that was like that's very much what comics do of sure. like yeah I don't have to do the rules but there was also a sadness behind it like it sounds like you might want a thing to do I, I a learned, little bit I learned a lesson at the store once uh, like when I was like submerged in that place living in Crest Hill living and breathing and eating at the store you mm. know just fucking coked up and fucked up and some chick I used to uh, have sex with from in college came out to visit me you know and yeah. it was like one of these she was just hanging out and we were like in a circle like burning furniture at Crest Hill and doing <laughs> blow and playing guitar and it was like four in the morning and I remember her just like sitting there like what is going on I'm like yeah man it's like this is life you know (laughs) this is how we live fuck it you know and it was just and she wrote me this letter like weeks later just basically saying like no one wants to live like that yeah i mean it's like you're judging these people like we're not getting up fuck the joggers you know it's like who wants to be you right you guys are acting like this is the way to be and you're monsters this vigilante lifestyle is insane fucking ridiculous i thought about that because i saw a photo the other day about uh that made that reminded me about how belushi and we regard belushi as like in that generation of those guys like just like yeah oh incredible but the truth was about belushi and farley was that lifestyle was a fucking nightmare like it was a nightmare. Like they were brilliant guys, but we we kind of like got away from them. Well, yeah. I mean, look what look what ended up happening to to uh, Hunter S. Thompson. It's like the oh. latter half of that story yeah. is fucking sad. Wet it's brain. Not, it's not cool 
to oh Shiva's Regal and fucking four eight balls of coke and Dunhills till five in the morning and then chocolate cake. Can you did you ever read what he ate and then you actually think about it? You're like that's fucking sad and gross. No way you feel good. No, your body's a dumpster mm. and you're just begging to die. Yeah. So no, it's cool for a moment in time to reflect, yeah. especially as a teenager. Yeah. When you're a grown up, you're like, this is bullshit. If you're, if you're, depends what kind of grown up you are. There's well, plenty, I guess you know. But and, when I say that, I mean someone who's learned that life is a lot deeper than just these like cool moments. Like, yeah, we get to bur- do coke and right, burn. But, and also, but the culture's different. Yeah, it no, re- it's I changed. Mean, there's no premium on that shit anymore. It used to be like rock and roll, we're doing it. You right. know what I mean? You're, we're living on the edge, and now it's sort of like, nah, it's kind of sad. It's sad. People yeah. died on the edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah a together, lot of people man. fell. This is yeah, insane. Watch your, watch your carbon take. Right. <laughs> Too much pasta, bro. What are you doing? Come on, you're going crazy. You're yeah, you're die. nuts, man. Yeah. You got to check your health. Good talking to you, man. Yes, it was great talking to you, brother. I've got to go finish up your yard with those fellas. Oh, they're waiting for you? Yeah, that's why they stopped. Okay, good. All right, thanks. Thank you. That's it. Again, Andrew Santino is a recurring role on the uh, sitcom Dave. You can get his podcast, Whiskey Ginger or uh, Bad Friends with Bobby Lee, uh, where you get podcasts and you can watch them on YouTube. And uh, I, I don't have any music today. I didn't bring a harmonica. I, don't, I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing to share with you musically. Mm-hmm. There's an old cat outside. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Let's see if we can get the cat to talk to close this out. I'm on the. I'm in a garden room, and there's a garden out here, and there's a cat that lives out here. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. What do you got to say? Huh? Great. Great clothes. Good for you. You coming in my room now? You're filthy. Boomer lives. Monkey. La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere, right? That wasn't even a meow. What was that?